Hi, welcome to And It's Writing, a live stream and podcast where two writers have a few drinks and some laughs while we revise our old work. I'm DC McNaughton, speculative fantasy and historical fiction writer. You write everything. <laughs> all the stuff. I'm writing them all. Um, uh, right now, I am currently uh, rewriting an old manuscript so that my agent doesn't hate me <laughs> and so that I have more stuff to submit. And uh, <laughs> I'm reading The Jade City by Fonda Lee. Uh, because I need to remember what reading and writing fantasy is like after writing all that sweet, sweet literary speculative <laughs> fiction. Well, I am Avery Ames, or I guess now Amy Avery. Uh, I am apparently. Hi, Amy Avery! <laughs> I'm apparently writing under both. Surprise, my pen name was a real, like, thin veneer all along. Mwah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that ties into, I guess, what I'm working on, which is part of my big news, which is that I sold my book. Yay! Yay! So, so what you gonna do with all that cash? <laughs> <laughs> oh, all that glorious money all of us authors make. Very, very expensive. <laughs> Living the high life. But that's my big news. Um, so yeah, I'll probably still call myself Avery Ames on this podcast because that's the first name I used and that's the one most people know me as. I may eventually transition into Amy. We'll find out. We'll play it by ear. No, you can totally transition into Amy Avery. So when you sell all those books, people know exactly where to find you and watch our podcast and give me lots of attention. Well, and I still go by Avery in both both ways. It just depends on if you're calling me by my first name or my last name. But what I'm working on is I am revising. I am on a deadline. Uh, the deadline is creeping up on me very quickly. <laughs> um, but I'm doing it. I'm, it's, it's, we're going. We've got index cards. We've got post-it notes. We're... We're in it now. And what I'm reading is I am actually rereading A Dowry of Blood by S.T. Gibson, which is it's a retelling uh, of Dracula's Brides as a kind of found family, polyamorous family. And basically Dracula is a giant fuckboy and they kick him out. Hell yeah. <laughs> I won't say a whole lot more, but the reason I'm rereading it is because the voice is very similar to the voice I want to capture in Autumn. And we have talked about how we both kind of absorb the voice of whatever we're reading. So I wanted to reread that and kind of just soak in that beautiful voice like a sponge. Absorb. Yes. And speaking of voice, today we're talking about aging up your narrative voice from YA to adult. Um, we will probably also touch on just the differences between the two and maybe going the other direction. But the one I see most often is people who want to age their style up from YA to adult. So that's what we're going to talk about most. And this is our usual reminder that writing is not all about rules. When we're writing, we sometimes need to break them as well. We're both firm believers that if the rules feel too suffocating or overwhelming, ignore them and just write. Yes, write your book. You're never done. Always write. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting us into spoopy season. Um... Spooky. <laughs> so the book is never finished. <laughs> It's the, the Simpsons, like, you can never leave. Um, it's going to eat you alive. <laughs> it's going to never stop. So the drink today, um, we had talked about, since we're talking about shifting from young adult to adult, and maybe vice versa, uh, we did two versions of a whiskey sour, and I am doing the young adult version, and I used a... I. Sorry, you did not hear my coaster stick to my drink in the I heard fall. <laughs> I did one with what's called a white whiskey, which is a basically a bourbon that hasn't been aged. 
And other than that, the ingredients are just lemon and honey and a little bit of bitters. So that's my drink. I am drinking the the young adult drink that you shouldn't drink when you are a young adult. Please drink responsibly. <laughs> and mine is the same one, but it's just bourbon. So it's been aged. It's mature. Ma mature. Mature. It <laughs> Sophisticated. <laughs> I will say that I, I did make both so I could compare because I was really curious. White whiskey is real weird. <laughs> weird I've, I've never had it i i've never had it i don't even know what it looks like i can't imagine it in my head so i had never had it until today this version and it may just be this particular one is a very it's a wheated bourbon so it's a more wheat mash bill than anything else which means that that's the grain that goes into it most so i was like it smells a little barnyardy and it took me a while to figure out why my brain is going you shouldn't drink this this is where the cows are it's because it smells like hay because of the wheat. Because it oh. hasn't been aged, you're not getting all the oak and the vanilla and the caramel and stuff that you get from the bourbon. So it's very hay. And it goes very well with the honey, but it's very like grassy and greener than like a bourbon. So it's very weird. I've got to try that. The one I got is from a local, local-ish distillery. It's a Kansas distillery called Boot Hill. But you can get a few other versions. It's called White Dog or just White Whiskey. Nice. So. Okay, so into the topic. <laughs> We've wasted enough time, sorry. <laughs> so, kind of opening thoughts. Uh, the reason we decided to tackle this is very personal to me. <laughs> because I have gone through this. Um, I had a book that was kind of in the new adult space. And so, which we might have a, we might touch on new adult a little bit. But I had a book that was in kind of this new adult, kind of liminal space between young adult and adult. And I kept getting feedback that people are like well it feels ya but your characters are a little too old for ya and you want to have like some more mature sexy things in it so it can't really be ya but it feels and reads like a ya you you need to pick one <laughs> yeah and you know this is this is so difficult you know because like you don't want to you don't want to say you know, there's a certain type of writing for YA mm -hmm. because, you know, some YA is written at a very high reading level. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, and so some people argue that YA means it's, it, or YA versus adult is based on themes or the age of the character or, you know, that sort of stuff. But like, for instance, there are plenty of like literary fictions that they're they're in the eyes of like a, a 10 year old, but you know that it's an adult fiction. Mm -hmm. And most of the time people say, you know, coming of age is always YA or, you know, there's a lot of arguing about this. And, and, and a lot of people say it's themes. Some people say it's just the writing style. Like it's all of them. Like it. So I will definitely front this conversation with there is no hard way to mm -hmm. like write one way or the other, because I've seen adult novels that are written with so little grace. <laughs> you know, that it would seem like, like, a like a 10 year old could read this, like, seriously, like, this is like the, but, but also some people just enjoy reading that style because it's an easy read. So nothing is like wrong. It's just when you're writing a book, you have to like cater it to a certain audience if you want to publish because, you know, the publisher is going to ask like, who's going to read this mm -hmm. and they, and, and whoever is reading it has to like the way it's written, has to like the themes, has to agree that it is a YA or adult because that's where they're going to stick it in the bookstore because mm -hmm. that's all that they care about at the publishing houses is how they can make money on it and how many people are going to notice it and read it from a certain category of people. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah, yeah. figuring that out is hard. <laughs> it's hard. Like, what the fuck? I was going to say, that's why, two quick things. One is, that's why this whole new adult part of the conversation uh, can come in. I personally think new adult makes sense. I think it's a category that when you say it, people know what it means. It did kind of become something other than what it originally was meant to be. It was meant to be a gap, like bridging the gap between YA and adult. It kind of became contemporary romance, college, college age romances that are high heat, very steamy, but still have protagonists that are in their early 20s. That's what it turned into. And unfortunately, that's what it's stuck as right now. And the reason that new adult is, quote, not a thing, as much as I kind of personally think it should be, is because there's not a section in the bookstore for it. So if you're if you're self-publishing, there is like a new adult category, especially if you're doing contemporary romance. But if you're traditionally publishing and you want to be in like traditionally published bookstores, like traditional bookstores, there's not a section. So you kind of have to lean one way or the other. Um, the second thing is we were talking about how there's no definition and there is not a definition. I kind of categorize it as this is little TMI medical, but I have polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, PCOS, which the diagnosis is you must have X number of this list of things like there are 12 <laughs> things you can have. If you have five or more of them, I don't remember what the exact numbers are, then you qualify as having this syndrome. So I kind of feel like it's that way. It's like, okay, well, you know, it tends to have a quicker pacing, but not all quicker pacing, but it tends to have a young protagonist, but not all young protagonists. And it tends to have a certain type of voice. And like, by the time you ticked off a certain number of the boxes, it's like, okay, this feels YA. That's so funny. It's the same way they diagnose schizophrenia too. <laughs> it's like, did you get a high enough score on the test? Oh, it's such bullshit. You know, sometimes it's, you know, and it, and it feels like bullshit no matter which way you look at it. It's like, look, man, it's real. Like, the, it's YA. It's, it's, it's PCOS. It's schizophrenia. <laughs> yes, but not unless it takes all these or some of these, you know, like, oh my gosh, it's so silly. But yeah, it is, it is just like that. So I did want to kind of touch on the fact that part, another one of the reasons we're doing this is that it, I've kind of noticed this happening a lot lately with authors starting in one age category and expanding into another. And again, more commonly with YA authors who got a foothold in YA, they established their name in young adult, and then now they're kind of expanding into adult. There's a couple of them that are like shifting and they're like, I'm moving into the adult space. Some of them are like, I'm now going to write both. Um, so I was just going to tick those off real quick and list them. Uh, some of them are Lee Bardugo, Holly Black, Sarah J. Moss kind of transitioned in a really unconventional way, which is that she just kind of kept writing spicier and spicier YA until they were like, oh, oh, oh this has to be adult. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. The penis went in. Yeah, they were like, oh, uh, this is way too explicit. Uh, this is for grownups now. And that happened in the middle of a series. So that was fun. Weird. Yeah, that was a whole thing. Interesting. Then... Another one who's gone the other direction is one of your agent siblings. Ah. Casey McQuiston started writing adult adult stories, contemporaries, and then has fairly recently branched into also writing young adult. Yes, I noticed that. Very exciting for, for Casey. So you can write more than one. You don't have to like switch from one to the other, but like entirely. But if you are going to write in multiple categories or if you want to shift your voice from one to the other... We, we've kind of got some tips. We're going to go over one of my samples and kind of explain how we would age it. In this case, age it up from YA to adult. Um, but do you have like tips 
on the best way if you want to switch your age category and make your writing sound more adult, what tips do you have? So the thing about me is, and and I've had more than just Avery come to me for help with this. It, like I have, like I have trouble writing in YA, and I don't know why that is. Like I don't, I don't know why that is. Like I have this book where I was like, oh yeah, it could be a YA, and I had a character. It was like a coming of age, and I was like, no, this isn't working. I want her to be thinking too many thoughts that like only an adult <laughs> would think. It's weird because you know, like everybody's different, and like. Even small children can have very adult thoughts. It's like, mm -hmm. it's such a hard line to, you know, to draw. And for me, I've just never felt like reading my own stuff was like, it never felt like YA. And it's strange. So like, it's really easy for me to edit up. And I don't even really know why. Like, it's just the way I talk. I don't know if it's the way I think. Like, it's, it's hard. It's weird. Because mm -hmm. I don't want to say it's one thing or the other. Because I don't actually... Honestly, full transparency, I don't know what it is. Like it's uh it's it's a it's a use of language. It's like instead of so I think about those stupid fucking <laughs> those stupid fucking tests that they used to give you and when you were in elementary or high school to try to figure out your reading level mm -hmm. and they dump you in front of a like a wall of text like multiple times and they like judge you based on how much information you could comprehend from a given passage. Gotta love standardized tests. Yay. Yeah, weird. And so I guess I just think about those and it's like, what you know, when does the brain get confused? I guess. When does the brain stop? When does it stop having that moment where it, it identifies with what you're reading? Because like mm -hmm. as a kid or as a YA reader, you only identify with a certain amount of things, right? So you you identify with going to school, you identify with you know, that first feeling when you have a crush, you identify with your parents getting divorced. Like you have mm -hmm. those feelings and identities. And then as an adult, you have identifiers like I identify with a person paying their bills. I identify with a person that lost their job, the person who is struggling to be an artist and make, you know, be able to pay off their college debt. Like mm -hmm. I you know, I identify with the guy who's floating around the haunted houses, feeling like he's haunted by ghosts. Zach Bagans. <laughs> Like, you know, like, like flirting with the ghosts and, you know, taking off a shirt. I don't know. I mean, like, there are, there are things that one group identifies with and the other thing. And, and, and at some point that also becomes a voice thing because that identifier then sort of, it extends to the voice of the novel mm -hmm. as well, somehow. And that's not saying that, you know, young kids can't have a very good vocabulary because I tell you what, I have met many young readers that have way better vocabulary than I have. And and everything to do with just, I think, context, mm -hmm. you know? It does leak into the voice. Um, and I think the focus, you had a really good point there with the focus of like what the person cares about is definitely going to be informed by like what part of life they're in. Yeah. And I think... One of the things, and this is going to sound terrible because I am an old, um, but <laughs> one of the things they've studied, and like I don't have the studies at hand, but it, there, has, there have been clinical studies on this, is that teenagers are hardwired to be a little more selfish just because, and like not in a self-preserving way, but in it like literally their brains just don't think in a as big of a sphere because that's just the developmental stage your brain is in is in this like i don't want to say survival mode but it's almost a survival mode as you're growing 
So the more internal the book is and the more self-focused it is, depending on how you convey that can be one of those like in the tick list of things that make a book YA. Because you can also have really literary fiction about somebody who's really doing a lot of navel gazing. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you can. <laughs> You're like, I have read these books. We've all read these books. I used to write them. <laughs> Back before I knew what navel gazing was, and everybody navel gazed. Yay! <laughs> but yeah, this intense interior personal focus is one of the tick points, checklist points. The like intensity of that focus. I think is part of what makes it feel either more literary adult or YA as well as language choices. Because YA a lot of times is all about the feels. So it's internal, but it's like, I feel a lot about this thing. <laughs> Whereas the literary is more navel gazing and like, huh, that was an interesting thing. And it's like a little more, it's, there's still feelings, but it's not as intense. Oh, you know, that just made me think of a, a kind of a good example of like mm -hmm. a why, like, let's say that the books are written completely, like, le let's say that the character is the same age. Let's say it's an 18 year old character in both mm -hmm. books. Let's say they both have really good word choice. Like you could, you could consider both of these adult word choices, but one is why and one is adult. And let's say that this 18 year old sees this guy at a, at, at like somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the YA, she might be seeing him, let's say she's seeing him at a baseball game versus, you know, an 18 year old who has snuck into a bar and is maybe seeing him at a bar. And then you have what, like the way they're describing them. So, cause like, I feel like a YA reader is going to be interested in different aspects of, mm -hmm. of what the gaze is pointed at than an adult reader. So like, if I was a Y... <laughs> I say if I was a YA reader, I, I got to be honest, people, I don't know what it's like to be a young adult. I've been an adult all my life, um, but I'm going to try. So, like, I might be more interested in, like, whose varsity jacket he's wearing. Oh, he's smoking. That's, wow, that's edgy for an 18-year-old to be smoking. Like, that's sort of like, like, oh, he's he's all that. You know, he's every, like, just, the, like, the things that a character is going to notice, whereas maybe the girl working or, or sneaking into the bar is like oh that man looks like he has money maybe he can pay for me to get dinner tonight like maybe you know maybe he can maybe i can smooth with him and get him to like pay for dinner you know like it's situational it's the themes right so like mm -hmm. it could they could be written with the exact same words and you know the exact same kind of character and just be completely different themes and then suddenly it changes right yeah i don't know maybe was any of that dumb? Did I make sense? No, that makes sense. Because, yeah, it's all about kind of that where that camera's kind of pointing and like how it's angled. Yeah. We'll go into the sample here pretty soon because I think we've covered most of this. But I was just going to say the most, the biggest tip I do have before I forget, if you are trying to switch over permanently or temporarily to another age category, the biggest tip I have for how to figure out how to write it is to read a lot in that category. <laughs> Yep. Because I have a lot of people, I was one of them, um, who are like, I really want to make this more adult. But then you find out that like what they're reading and what I was reading, a lot of was YA. And you, it's that sponge thing. We were talking about you absorb it like a sponge. Mm -hmm. And it's all little things like word choice and pacing and phrasing. And all of that like just soaks in that lens that we're talking about where the camera angles pointed. 
it just you absorb it and if that's what you're absorbing constantly is YA you're going to you're going to come out sounding more YA if you're reading a lot of adult and you're trying to write YA your voice is going to come out sounding more adult so definitely just read a lot in the genre and category you're wanting to write and it'll start to come together <laughs> the human brain's ability to mimic is 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 wonderful mm-hmm. <laughs> like emulating what you read like it it happens so often it's funny because i okay this is a real big i'm sticking my head up my own ass here <laughs> but i know people like that write books that they didn't they don't read quite as much as they probably should and then they'll beta read one of my books and then they'll start writing and their writing is better because they've been reading my work. <laughs> like, I don't mean to be a huge, like, kissing my own ass here, but, like, I've seen my friends get better from reading my stuff. And I'm like, clearly you read a book, finally. Like, congratulations. <laughs> this is why you read. This is why you read, you know, like, because mm-hmm. you learn. You learn. And it's it's awesome. And I'm always very proud of them when they do. You know, it's just it's really funny. It's like, haha, you were forced to read my book and now you write better. We're nearing halfway through, so we've still got a sample to go through. So we should probably get into that. Um, this one's a little long, so yeah, we... I just opened it up. And I'm like, "Wowie zowie!" Let's just read the whole thing. Let's read this whole some bitch. Okay. We may not completely edit, edit, but we can at least go through and be like, "Here's why it sounds YA here." So, and this is our sample. Is we're going from something that I wrote that came out sounding very YA. It actually was intended to be a YA, but we're gonna try aging it up. It's a just really quickly into the scene. The main character is the future queen and she is at the like commencement ceremony of her sister who will be taking over. And as always, I've never read this. (laughs) All right. It was the height of summer and the golden light that shone from the skylights above was turning to soft lavender and gray blue. The king and queen took their seats first on the highest twin thrones in the very center of the dais. Dais? How do you say that word? I always said it dais, but that whole thing about being a kid who knows big words and doesn't know how to pronounce them, I never looked up how to pronounce that. Me either. Good stuff. Fist bump. (laughs) I took my seat next, the throne of the queen in waiting. The empty throne beside me seemed seemed a mockery, and self-pity swallowed me. But there was little time to wallow as the crier began his announcement. The Princess Isabella Orlin and her betrothed Lord Quentin of Endale. All heads turned, though the spectators remained kneeling. The couple entered arm in arm through the rear entrance of the room. Even I couldn't help but gasp at the sight of Isabella. My sister was barely recognizable. In fact, she looked like me. My chest felt tight just looking at her. Today, Isabella wasn't just a star. She was an entire night sky. Her dark hair was partially pinned back the rest falling in artful curls to frame her heart-shaped face. (laughs) Cosmetics enhanced her beauty, giving her rosy pink lips and accentuating her sharp gray eyes. Her neck and shoulders were bare. And the gown, oh, the gown. Isabella must regret letting me help design it, but the dress was a piece of art in every shade of purple, from pale lavender to deep violet. Thousands of tiny crystals dotted the silk. Her full, ruffled skirts rustled softly as she walked through the silent room. Beside her, Quentin beamed, resplendent in a midnight blue jacket. I could tell he tried to keep his eyes forward, but couldn't help sneaking odd glances at his bride-to-be. Isabella's eyes met mine as she walked down the center aisle, and there was murder underneath the brittle smile. Oh, how she fumed. My grin grew a little wider. Isa might be angry now, but this was her chance to show herself off as the future queen's second. Okay, the reason I kept all of this in 
is because a lot of these are details that deal with that focus that you were talking about. Yes. There's a lot of it is things that someone who is younger would notice, like how pretty the dress is and mm -hmm. the, this like, ex I don't want to say excessive. It's kind of excessive here. Description of like appearances and clothing and stuff is something that is more common in YA. Mm -hmm. It does exist in adult, but I think it tends to be briefer in adult. It'll be like a formal purple dress instead of like details about like the beading and the sequins and this and that. And I think part of that is a wish fulfillment thing, which I mean, adults have wish fulfillment too, but I see it a lot in YA. So that's why I wanted to leave like that whole paragraph. And it's like, there's a whole paragraph talking about what the dress looks like. Yeah. 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 And that is definitely not to say that, you know, in an adult that isn't a thing. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that the theme is probably just a little, like, even if it's the same situation, the same, like, you might notice different things mm -hmm. as an adult, like, and especially because to me, it seems like there's a touch of envy here. Like, mm -hmm. so there's definitely some envy in this voice, but like, let's say if you're, you know, writing an adult, you know, you might notice things like, ah, and of course she could afford the tailor that could do this and this and that. And the, the veil. And, and of course, I wonder how much time, you know, somebody had to pour into that just so that she could never pick it up again and only wear it tonight. And, you know, like you kind of get into like the darker, deeper adult feelings. <laughs> um, like, I guess I, you know, like at least for me, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't want to say, you know, one size fits all, but for me, that's mm -hmm. like a big deal. Like, you know, you can still have the same feelings and stuff and, you know, describe a dress, but it's going to be maybe a little different from a different perspective. And that's why, like, for this one, I don't know if we want to actually go through and do, like, a a word-by-word -word edit, because mm -hmm. I think it's a conceptual difference. But I think going out and kind of pointing out what the differences are can help kind of identify yeah. them. Um, the other big one, yeah. the reason I wanted to leave that first half in there is because there's a lot of, in, there's the, the, I don't want to say extreme, but, like, the extreme focus on, like, internal emotion. So it's about the character looking at, like, because as you can, you talk, she talks about like, there's an empty throne beside her and she's alone because she hasn't found anybody yet. And mm -hmm. so there's a lot of that, like internal, like, woe is me, <laughs> which right. again, could happen in an adult book, but the way it's written here is very like that very deep, intense, personal, close perspective. I feel like if you're going to have somebody who's like, envious and sort of immature in this feeling of being alone in an adult novel you gotta go into it yeah so like if this was if it was gonna be an adult novel like land a sentence like that and say oh woe is me i'm by myself and then go immediately into a little bit of navel gazing <laughs> and like sort of explore that feeling like oh i wonder when the last time i was fucked up was oh never <laughs> and you know you know, like, like you go into like the feeling, like, cause the thing is, is adults have very, we, you know, we have a lot of gears turning all at once. And like, so if you're going to have like a character who's sort of Im an immature adult mm -hmm. because they exist, <laughs> you need to, to get the reader to like them and be on their level and, and feel like it is an adult novel. You need to actually go into that. But with like something like this, you're just like, oh, well, she's she's getting married and I'm not. Nah, 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 nah. That's that's very, you know, mm -hmm. like that's YA. But like if this was adult, you'd be like, huh, 
wonder how many times she fucked on the dress on that. Like how, <laughs> how many times the dress was laying on the bed and she fucked on top of it before she finally got walking down the aisle, man, what a bitch. Like you're not saying you have to like have the curse words, but like those feelings of just like adult levels of hate and envy and like the darkness of being in a body that knows what bills are and what educate, how important education is. And like just having all of that behind you while you have these very envious thoughts, like, and just sort of using that as fuel to like, you know, light the page on fire. Mm -hmm. It's a bit deeper than just the surface level. Like me, I don't know why I'm having these <laughs> hormonal feelings, but God, am I angry? And, and I'm not, and that's a bad thing. Cause you know, I fucking felt that way when I was in, you know, a young person. And I, you know, I was bitter about stupid shit. And I think that, yeah, it's that level of introspection isn't quite the right word, but like, I think it's a good yeah, word. Like as an adult, you'll have the feeling and you'll be like, Ooh, that was bitchy of me. Whereas when, <laughs> when you're in like that young adult space and you're, you're having these thoughts, you're just like, yeah, fuck her. She's terrible. Whereas an adult, you're like, Oh, that's I shouldn't think that, but yeah, I also kind of yeah, she sucks. Um, there's there's like a like a self analysis that happens a little more that brings yeah. in more layers because, like you said, as as a in a young adult novel, it's focusing all on this feeling, like this emotion that the mm -hmm. main character is feeling, like this, like I'm sad, but then you know she's so pretty, and I feel a lot about these things. Whereas an adult would also be analyzing. Mm -hmm. other other factors like you said with the dress like instead of just being like it's really pretty and it's purple and it's sparkly you might notice that she you know like shifts her you know shifts in it because you can tell she looks looks uncomfortable and you're just you're noticing a little more broader spectrum of things usually and that's not the case really in real life <laughs> this is specifically about literary voice and what are common archetypical things in the category whether that's yeah whether that's yeah, like, real or not, but but these are like common. I don't tropes isn't the right word, but conventions of these yeah. two age groups. Yeah. We're not saying this is entirely what all teenagers are like or what yeah. all adults are like, but these yeah. are things that are commonly seen in these books in these age categories. I think like with the dress thing again, mm -hmm. just having some to show background to show a background of a person mm -hmm. is really important because, for instance, I think. I think that when you see those literary novels about the, you know, 10 year old boys, those boys are 10 years old, but sometimes they have 20 years worth of background just because of the amount of things that they've been mm -hmm. through. That's a huge thing. And just to like sort of use background as an example of sort of what can shape an adult novel, like let's say that the person looking at this gown is is a bit more experienced than the person who's in Avery's story here. Cursing curse words and sexual stuff aside, you can still make this paragraph into something more adult without adding those things. Yeah. For instance, she could be thinking to herself, you know, I can tell that she's never worn shoes worth more than what she's got in her wallet before because she can't walk in these things. And mm -hmm. I feel kind of bad for the darling, but she looks terrible. Like, but this is probably the only time she'll ever do it. So let's just let her have her fun. Like, it's just stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like, it shows the background of your, your, your character, which is why you can have like, certain literary fiction novels have little boys that are like 10 years old that are going around like 
talking like full full grown men because they have a lot of background. They have a lot of experience. They have 20 years worth of experience in a, you know, 10 year old body that can happen. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think just showing background in general, um, is a great way to level up your book too, Mm -hmm. from YA to adult. And I do think even, I was kind of thinking about this just a second ago that we kind of talked about how things are a little broader and tend to have, even when they're navel gazy, they tend to have a little more distance in a more adult voice than they do in a young adult voice. And this actually kind of goes the other way as far as like why people read it, because there are a lot of people who are older than the average age group, than the intended age group who do read YA. Um, I am one of them. And part of it is that laser focus and the emotions Mm -hmm. and like feeling the feels that is, is an appeal of the genre so I don't want us being like, oh, if you wanted to switch this to adult, this is why you would change it to be taken as you should change it. It's just like if your goal is to change the age category, that's what you should. But if you were to keep this YA, I'd clean up some of the grammar and some of the repetitive phrasing, like some <laughs> some of the prose. Oh, yeah. There's. Yeah. Yeah. I would tidy up the prose like we would normally do in our editing. But conceptually, if this were a YA novel, this scene could work as pretty much as it stands with just some some surface level line edits. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I do think that the biggest issue like I think and I think we talked about this um, before when you were trying to age something up from YA to adult like and I, I think I did just talk about the characters experiences, mm-hmm. just the, the way that their friends interacted, the way that they thought about their friends, like stuff like that can really just make mm-hmm. all the difference in the world. And this is not this is not a slight at a YA author at all. Um, because I see adult authors do it too. Um, but yeah, like the the grammar in a in a YA can get away with being a little bit, I'm gonna say sloppy, but I don't mean sloppy. What I mean is like I guess like simple. Mm-hmm. And it and that simpleness sort of comes off as sloppy because you know, like we can think of a better way to do that. But the thing is, is some people, you know, are when they're young, they can't think that big so like sometimes you know simplifying the prose which sometimes means sort of you know making it a bit choppier is easier for a young person to read but that's not always the case yeah i was gonna say i do think that depends on sort of the author and also whether it's like because you've got middle grade which tends to be a lot Mm -hmm. simpler and it's i don't want to say simpler but it's a lot more straightforward in its writing. Yeah, straightforward is a good word yeah. to use. That's the word that I wanted to use, not sloppier. And I was going to say, you've got the young end of YA, which is geared towards like 14-year-olds, yeah. and you got the older end of YA, which is geared towards 18-year-olds. It's pretty widespread, but I do think it does vary depending on the author. And honestly, the YA authors that I like are the ones whose prose I really enjoy. Um, I've called out Anna Marie McLemore before, and I love Anna Marie McLemore's writing. It's beautiful. It's lyrical. It's almost leaning on the side of literary, but it is very firmly YA. Um, so you, you like you said, there there is a spread, but I, I also want to say I think sometimes the, I don't want to call them problems, but what might be construed as prose problems in YA stem from the quick turn times in YA. Yes, I was just about to say that. Yes, because they have to turn this shit around mm-hmm. so fast because lots of people want to read YA books, but nobody wants to read adult books. Well, so. and especially in YA, if you're writing a series, you have to yeah. write it quickly 
because yeah. your, your your audience is aging. <laughs> yeah. And there's not really any freaking time yeah. to like sit there and, and you know, t- you know, fiddle yeah. over your, your, your writing and like how it sounds and what it looks like. You can't do that because you got to get that shit out there. Yeah. Like, and so it's like, okay, well, fuck, fuck the rules. Yeah. Like, fuck beauty. <laughs> it's done. You don't have the leisure to Rothfuss every phrase. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. There, things are ser- more serious than that because your readers are getting older and they're going to abandon yeah. you. So it's like, okay, I got to get this book out <laughs> in a year. I can make it look, I can get the plot. I can get the character. I can get the phrasing so that the writing's good. It's not bad, but it's not like finessed every, because you're like, I don't have time to finesse every sentence. Right. So I think that may be like a publishing concern have as someone who is now starting to look at deadlines i'm like oh yeah yeah i get that because i was lucky that i did most of my finessing before but now Mm -hmm. the new parts that i'm writing i have to finesse and i'm like if i had to do this to a whole book in like yeah a month that shit takes time so yeah no absolutely absolutely another one you know and this one there's a lot of arguing about (laughs) and it's the exclamation point (laughs) i didn't even think about that but yeah yeah there's a lot of um i don't remember who started it but i almost want to say it was stephen king who said that it's not okay to use an exclamation point but it might have been somebody else it might have been benjamin dreyer (laughs) yeah oh we love benjamin dreyer i don't know where i first yeah i don't know where i first heard it so i'm not sure yeah there's just something about an exclamation point and i and i do see them used a lot more in ya because Mm -hmm. that's that's a sign to the young reader that this is a exciting or this character is shouting it's a good way for them to sort of build up the muscles to understand situations where that sort of thing goes Mm -hmm. you know like it's putting extra emphasis on something yeah it's like notice and you start to notice like as you get older you don't you almost don't need it you know, because you've got it all figured out. Like you've, and, and unless, unless it is like, like for instance, the way you use it here, um, and the gown, oh, the gown, that I think could be, you know, it, that's why an adult, like whatever. But like, I do know that like sometimes when like you've got friends yelling at each other and stuff, like, hey, Tommy, come over here. I found a dead toad, exclamation point. I, I don't know if you'd see that in an adult. Mm-hmm. And even with that sentence, you know, like, and again, one size does not fit all. Some people love exclamation points and there's nothing wrong with them. I use them probably 10 to 20 times in a manuscript when I want something to be noticed, but I know some people only use them like twice. If Mm -hmm. that, you know, like people are really weird about them. The few times I tend to use them is usually in a dialogue tag. And usually when someone is like literally screaming. (laughs) Yes. Like, Oh my God, help me! Exclamation point. <laughs> yes. And you know, it's actually kind of funny because I feel like outside of, you know, written text, like like if you're writing a character texting somebody on their phone, I feel like I've seen all caps. Yeah, all caps. It's funny because everybody's avoiding the exclamation points. <laughs> I, I don't remember when it was. I beta read something recently. Not super recently, but I beta read something where people were using all caps as emphasis. And I was like, that a thing now did i miss that that i think i definitely did it once in birds okay well i don't know if that's it because i I remember seeing it like enough that i was like this is a pattern 
is this a thing? And I was like, it might be. And I could see it working as a stylistic thing, but it would be one of those things that, yeah, you'd want to use probably sparingly. The, the In the manuscript I just mentioned, I think I used it um, to a character was fighting with another character who was having like a mental seizure. Mm. And, and I used it as a, you know, a hey, 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 like, like yeah. and it was just one word that was all capitalized. Like an escalation. Yeah, but I didn't use an exclamation, an exclamation mark because somehow the caps worked better. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was just like, I like that a lot better. I think I saw it done in A Little Life. I think I think uh, Hanya Yanagihara did it in uh, A Little Life, um, and I really loved it. Yeah, I was gonna say it seems like yeah. something people might play with more in like the more literary leaning. Yeah, you have to use it very sparingly, but it's funny. I've never seen it in a YA outside of like a text message. Yeah. And I was going to say it, it once again, dialogue. I have a general rule that all rules are suspended in dialogue. <laughs> like, right. Inside those quotation marks, anything goes. You can write God. Anything can happen. Like G O T T A. Yeah. Anything. Um, you, you can, can misspell words. You can do whatever you want. You can misspell words. You can use bad grammar. You can use an exclamation point. I do try to you can use give... italics sparingly. I use italics for different languages. Oh. There's actually <laughs> like a kind of a pushback on that now. Like if it's a real language, a general consensus now um, from readers and editors and writers is that if it is an if it is a language that is spoken in our world by anyone, you don't italicize it because it others it. It's like, ooh, look at this. It's not really. They just said abuela. Isn't that exotic? And it's like, (laughs) no, that's just a word people use. So people have been not italicizing words in actual languages. Now, if it's a fantasy language in like a a fictional world that's completely made up, yes, you italicize it because that indicates to people, I made this up. You're not supposed to know this. (laughs) Um, Okay. No, that 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 tracks. I. I'm not, I'm on board with that. All right. I did not know that. I didn't even think about it. That's no, that's a great point. Um, I learned something new today. uh, It was something that's, it's fairly recent that this has kind of started to become like a thing, but yeah, I, I italicize pretty for emphasis. I italicize very sparingly. I do use it to, to, for formatting like internal thoughts and stuff like that, but to be like, she really wants to go. I don't put like really in italics. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. No, that's that's fair. People use it to emphasize like which word has the emphasis in a sentence. And I do see that more in YA than adult. But yeah, any other kind of we're kind of starting to come into our like finale. So I think that was uh I think that was pretty good. Like I I I'm not really seeing anything because the thing is is the more the more detail you add to the quote unquote rule list mm-hmm. like the more confusing and like gatekeepy it gets and like that's not really what we're trying to do but we're trying to do you guys on what barnes and noble thinks ya is versus what yeah. barnes and noble thinks adult is yeah <laughs> and like, they yeah. they do put our books on shelves and they do decide you know where it fits thank goodness for that because we probably wouldn't be very good without them you know they do do a lot of stuff for us it's just you know they do there are these certain trends that are important to follow whether or not we like it yeah (laughs) um it's one of those things where it's like the game kind of sucks but if you've decided you want to play it 
you have to play it. Yeah, yeah. You kind of have to think like they do. You know, they don't really care what we want to say. They want to pay off their cars. So, like, how do we get them to do that? We place the books in the right place so that the people who want to read them know where they are. And they're pretty good at targeting the people who want to read stuff. And this is just sort of, this is sort of the common, these are what the common denominators are Mm -hmm. and what we see on the YA shelves versus the adult shelves. That is not saying that adult is one way and, and YA is another because. Watership Down is terrifying. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure, like, kids were reading that in elementary mm-hmm. school. And whoa. I think Watership Down, I think Watership Down is technically probably middle grade. I mean, it's older, so the, the things are w- wibbly, but. I mean, when it came out, there was only two. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like, it, it's old. So, like, when, when Watership Down came out. You know, and kids started reading it. It's like, mm-hmm. well, they're talking animals. Of course, kids are going to read it. Oh my God, there's blood on every page. What's look, happening? Look at this cover with the pretty rabbit on it. Oh my God. Yeah, like that cover was designed to reel in like kids. They're like, oh, I want to read about the bunny. Yes, 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 yes. Oh my golly gosh. Okay. What is happening in this book? Related side note on something more recent, although I don't know when the last book came out. It might still be ongoing. It might not be. But the kiddo who is now currently in high school, but in middle school and elementary school was super into the Warriors books, which are warrior cats. And they're ostensibly by Aaron Hunter, but they're actually an IP project uh intellectual property project that's developed by a company and actually written by a bunch of different authors under the name aaron hunter those books are they're like watership down it's a bunch of like cats living out in the forest and there's like some brutal murders and like yeah like violent violence like the kiddo would come in and be like so then this cat ripped out the other cat's throat because they wanted to like get to the kittens of the other tribe and murder the kittens and i'm just like oh my god the Watership Down's <laughs> legacy lives on, is what I'm saying. Is it doesn't have to only oh, be older man. stuff. Newer stuff has the same thing. Uh, that's great to know. I'm glad because, like, I'm kids being sheltered from the bad oh, yeah. stuff because they're going to have a really hard time when they get older. It brings me, like, a certain dark piece. I feel better. <laughs> cats or ki- kids can read about cats murdering each other. It's fine. I feel better now because my childhood was dark. And I think everybody should have a little taste of it because <laughs> they're like everyone needs to feel this. Everyone needs to feel sad. <laughs> that's what. Okay, sorry. It puts I was gonna air say on your chest. I was gonna say that's why you write literary. That's why I write literary because I want everybody to be sad. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I'm sorry. That was that was kind of mean, but also kind of funny. Uh, no, it's fine. It's totally true. Like, you know, I never pick up a literary book, like a, a literary adult book, going thinking to myself, "I want to feel really good after I read this." <laughs> like, you do you don't like you go into that thinking, "I kind of really want to feel someone else's misery right now," so I'm going to open up this this literary fiction with this black and white cover. <laughs> Real quick, real quick side note about marketing and the importance of marketing and the importance of your book ending up in the right place in the bookstore, um, which has to do with age category, but also has to do with genre, um, because we were talking about this, about literary being like, I go into literary knowing it's going to make me feel, it's going to make me feel some like 
complicated, ugly things and really like examine some shit. And then you go into a rom-com going, eh, I'm going to have a good time. Everything's going to turn out okay. It's going to be a little fun. Yeah. The importance of marketing is that I watched a movie this week that if I had watched in the right headspace for it, I would have loved because it's actually really well done for what it is, but it's marketed as a real cute rom-com. And I was in the mood for a real cute, silly, like kind of, you know, kind of indie rom-com the other night. And I watched it and it is a, an intensely serious exploration of depression. Oh, no. And suicidal ideation. Wait, wait, what, what movie is this? It's called Meet Cute. It's on Peacock. I think it's a Peacock oh. exclusive. It stars Kaylee Cuoco and Pete Davidson. And they make it seem like kind of a cute time loop, time travel, cutesy romance. And I'm like, oh, I'm a sucker for time travel romances. Oh, and they just made you sad. No trigger warning. And they made me sad. And I was like, this is actually really yeah. good for what it is. But I went in expecting something cute and I got something sad. And now I'm really mad at this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I am like still angry at this movie because it was not what I wanted. And if I had picked it on a day where I was ready to feel some shit, I would have loved it. Yeah, you gotta, you know, you gotta market your stuff right. You know, I felt the same about that Nicolas Cage movie, Pig. Oh. I was so excited to see me some dark ass shit. I wanted to see, like, Nicolas Cage, like, slaughtering people and stuff. But, like, as it turns out, he plays a pretty moderately kind of, like, down-to-earth kind of dude who just wants his fucking pig back. But, like, the way that they advertised it made it seem like I was gonna get into, like, the nitty-gritty, like, scary, like, almost slasher. Yeah. Dude, no, it's real. Like, and I don't... You know, bless Barnes & Noble, you know, gatekeepers as they are, bless mm -hmm. Barnes & Noble for knowing how to peddle the stuff to the right people yeah. because if they didn't, uh, our books would probably not get as read as they are now. You know what? They're pretty damn good at what they do, and I'm gonna let them do it. Yeah. You do want <laughs> to make saying. sure your book is in front of the type of people that are looking for that kind of book. And whether that's, you know, like I said, young adult, adult genre, this kind of went into like a whole genre tangent. Yeah. but. That's the same thing. People who are looking for young adult are looking for a certain kind of thing just because they've come to expect these are the conventions of young adult. People who are looking for adult, it, it, that also varies by genre, um, but people who are looking for adult in whatever that genre's conventions are, are looking for a specific thing. And that's not to say you can't play around and explore and kind of test some boundaries, but once again it's like this is kind of the shitty game we all have to play and just kind of knowing what the rules are helps and sometimes you can break those rules but it helps if you know what they are <laughs> yes yes exactly and the rest of the time you know just ignore them if you feel if you feel like they're trapping you just ignore them and mm -hmm. move on you can always also write your story and then later decide what to do with it. that's what i do i write it and yep. then i'm like okay what do i want this to be <laughs> Yep, I have a story that I wrote, and I was like, I really like the story, but I don't know if I don't want it to be a wire adult. So I like tabled it, like I, I put it away for a while. I'll come back to it when I'm feeling it. If when I get there, I feel like writing adult, I'll make it adult. If I feel like what writing, trying my hand at YA, then that's what I'll do. Oh, someone said uh, in music theory, they always like to say that you cannot properly break the rules if you don't know why they're the rules in the first place. And yeah, and the the rules is go. in quotes why they're the rules. In the first place. And I honestly think that's kind of the thesis statement of our podcast, which is like, we'll explain why people think they're rules, but we also are like, break them if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. it's good to understand why other people think they are rules. 
Um, yes. Because then that explains that 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 gives you a higher, not higher ground, but better ground to stand on when you're like, no, I broke this rule because X. Us people who are not average people need to know what average people are thinking about <laughs> so we can manipulate them to read our books. <laughs> and I and I air quote average. You can't yeah. see it on the, you know, you can't, you know, it's not normal, not average. You're just, you're not like me, but I'm going to try to figure out so I can sell you books because. I think I could hear the air quotes in your voice. <laughs> good, good. That's, that's all I want. That being said, our next live stream will be at a special time on a Saturday. Mm. <laughs> Whoa. Um, it's going to be October 15th at noon Eastern. Um, we'll be chatting with an author, Katie Edwards, author of the Tarot Sequence. We're really excited. Wanted to do something a little spooky. Um, For spooky season. I can't believe it's already October, <laughs> Katie Edwards. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh, Katie Edwards. Okay. Well, yeah. Yes. So we hope you will tune in for that. It's going to be a really interesting interview. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay. So anyway, sorry, that's my part of the script. Um, You can find everything for the podcast at anditswriting.com, A-N-D, um, not the ampersand. Look us up on Spotify, iTunes, Podcatchers, Google Podcasts, anywhere there are podcasts, we should be there. Please also, if it's a service that allows you to leave reviews, please leave us a review or a star rating help. because it does, it really does help the algorithm. It helps other people. Help. Help. Yeah. Um, help. Please help. Um, help. Help us. If you like what you're hearing, you can also join our Discord group, which you can access if you go to the anditswriting.com webpage. There is a Discord link. And I think that's about it. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will tune back in for the Katie Edwards interview.